is the MoneyWeb Be a Better Investor podcast, picking the brains of professional investors on their investment strategies, successes, and mistakes. Your host, Rake Fanika. Welcome to this week's edition of the Be a Better Investor podcast. It is the podcast where I speak to professional investors about their investment journeys, and we discuss when and why these professional investors became interested in investment and when and why they took the decision to become a professional investor. We will also peek into their personal investment portfolios if they allow us to, and we will discuss their best and worst investments ever. And the idea is to find those golden nuggets of wisdom from their perspectives and experiences to assist amateur retail investors to become better investors. My guest today is Jonji King. She's the Chief Investment Officer at Alexander Forbes. Now, she's been in the business for more than 21 years. She started out as a hedge fund manager, research analyst at Henderson Global in the UK. She later moved to the Swiss group EFG Asset Management. She returned to South Africa in 2009 to assume the position as CIO of Cavio. And in 2017, she joined Alexander Forbes as the Chief Investment Officer. Johnji, thanks so much for your time today. First, tell us, where did you grow up and when did you decide you wanted a career in asset management? Thank you for having me today. So I grew up in North London and I went to a normal school and did all the usual subjects. And when I was about 17, in England, you have to choose three subjects, and I knew that I wanted to do maths, I knew I wanted to do English, and I didn't know what else to do. And at that time, there was an economics teacher, and they said, well, why don't you try economics? So I went off, did my economics A-levels, and then did an economics degree. And it's while I was doing my degree that I was exposed. I'd never had any experience in investing, and my parents didn't have investment portfolios or anything of that nature, so my background was not in investments, so I hadn't grown up with it. But when I was doing my degree, it was then that I was exposed to this wide world of investments. And I just found it so fascinating and fluid and every single day was different. Um, so economics in itself wasn't particularly necessarily going to be my passion for the next 20 years. But in doing the degree, it gave me exposure to investments. And I just loved the fluidity of it and the fact that every day could be different. Did you participate in those mock competitions, those investment competitions you normally see at uh, high school and uh, university level just to try and show you how it works? I didn't, actually. I, I did participate in the sense that I watched and I learned from people who'd obviously grown up and understood a lot more about markets than I did at that stage of my life. So um, I didn't participate in itself. I really was just at that stage watching and learning, which I think was probably the most formative years of my investment career because it was by listening to people that had, you know, had more experience than me that I learned so much rather than trying to rush ahead and think that I knew everything myself. Watch and learn. That's an interesting approach. What did you actually do? Well, I guess it's exactly what I do today is that I um, talk a lot to people that I consider very knowledgeable and skillful in the area. When I was at university, for instance, a lot of my fellow students, like I say, had grown up with investment portfolios themselves. Uh, and when they discussed the investments in the competitions and just amongst themselves, I would listen and ask questions about, you know, if they kind of gave a view on something, why did they have that view? And um, where did it come from? How long have they been monitoring things? 
what particular information informed the view. And, and I have to be honest, still to this day, I ask very similar questions to investment professionals. You know, we're a multi-manager at Alex Ford's Investments, so we have the privilege of talking to skilled individuals every day. And I probably ask very similar questions today that I did 25 years ago. What was the very first share you bought? This is an interesting story. It was about the beginning of the tech bubble, and I will call it the bubble, which was the, the late 90s, early 2000s. And there was a, um, a stock that was listed called partygaming.com. And it was very much the, the forefront of kind of internet gaming um, and gambling, actually, in, in this, very much um, kind of at the, the early stages. And that, that was probably the first stock that I properly considered. It was an IPO stock and I'd ever looked at myself. Um, for an IPO. So it was called partygaming.com. Um, and unfortunately, uh, that again was a very le- early lesson in my investment career um, and from a personal investment perspective of kind of distinguishing between a fad and an actual like sectoral ch- trend and change. And at that stage, um, the internet was full of fad stocks and stocks that people were chasing for no good reason except that there was a name attached to them. Did it survive the dot com crash? No, it didn't. <laughs> no, it didn't. It didn't survive regulation, actually, because it was the early days of when things on the internet weren't properly regulated. So it was actually regulation that came to them, get it in the end. Uh, tell us about your investment journey. When did you actually decide, listen, I want to do this for a living? I decided early on in my university career that I wanted to be in investments, but which portion I didn't know. Um, I was just being exposed to every area, investment banking and trading, Um, asset management, which is where I ended up eventually. And I decided that the area of investment that I really liked was linking, you know, people's savings to investments and making a difference. So that's where I ended up in asset management. um, And I was very fortunate to get on a graduate program um, once I left university in a very small asset manager, which was then bought by Henderson Global Investors, a much larger asset manager. And that's how I started. It was on a graduate program. But I was quite specifically targeting asset management rather than investment banking, which was much more popular amongst my peers at university. And during this time, did you build your own personal portfolio? I didn't. I actually, again, I I wanted to learn. I wanted to make sure that um, at that stage of my career, I was really focusing on my, my career and making sure that I was getting all the right information to be a good investor for you know other people's assets um i think sometimes you know um personal portfolio investing is a very different risk profile to trying to invest you know from a perspective of being a custodian of other people's assets so at that stage of my career and like i say it was it was very early on trying to understand how i could make a difference and do the best i could for you know our clients that's a very good point because if you invest on behalf of people saving for retirement the uh, mandate and your responsibility is totally different to you investing in your personal capacity and, and normally that approach would be a lot more aggressive have you ever considered yourself as being an aggressive investor i would say everybody who knows me and i would describe myself as this well absolutely not probably the opposite very conservative I think it was my roots um, when I started um, investing professionally. It was with retirement monies, which, you know, from a perspective of risk profile is, you know, very much more of a conservative, not discretionary. And again, exactly to your point, um, personal investing has a very different risk profile. Obviously, with your own personal assets, you can gauge your own risk profile. But when you're thinking about being a custodian, a fiduciary for other people's assets, it's around making sure that that risk profile you know, really suits what the long-term goals are of those clients. 
So they are very different and different mindsets. And I would say myself specifically, much more concerned. I'm definitely not on the aggressive end. Maybe that was like partygaming.com. Are you an avid reader of investment books? I do. I do read um, as much as I can. I read um, the latest books that are published by many of the luminaries in the industry and also people that are probably a little less known. I try to keep up to date. I read a lot. I read a lot of financial news and news flow, as you would expect, but I also like to try and read books that talk a bit more structurally about um, the business. Can you give us an, a recommendation for somebody starting out, starting to build a retail portfolio? Oh, <laughs> well, I wouldn't necessarily direct it to a retail portfolio, but a, a book that has always been very close to my heart and I've read quite a few times was around long-term capital management, which was a, a big hedge fund in the 90s that actually nearly broke the market. And as I, re- I can't recall the title, I think it's called Long-Term Capital Management, but I can certainly, if you Google it, you'll find the book. It's quite a, a bestseller. What is the and name? And it really talks long-term capital management. It was a hedge fund um, in the US that caused quite a few crises, actually. It caused a a crisis in um, Russia, Russian debt, um, and many emerging markets debt. And it really is a lesson around risk management and thinking about risk in a very controlled way and not, you know, kind of getting hyped up with news flow and hyped up with trends. And I often reread the book because it really, even though it's quite old now and quite dated, it really talks a lot to personalities and making sure that you're very calm and clear and very focused in investments. Are you a big Warren Buffett fan? Well, I, I, I am a fan. <laughs> I, I'd like to, read, I like to um, keep up to date with what he says and what he's thinking because I think also, even if you're not a fan of Warren Buffett, he definitely influences markets. So you need to know what he's saying and what he's talking to the media about. What mistakes do you think retail investors make most often? So I wouldn't say specifically retail, it's all investors can make this mistake where you really kind of let your emotions rule your investment decision making. Emotions are not normally the right indicator for what you should be doing in an investment portfolio. And unfortunately, news flow, particularly these days where news is all around us, you know, make us feel emotional and make us want to do something. And it's that reaction function of all of us that sometimes you have to temper because Taking an action in a moment of, you know, very downward cycling news is often the worst investment that you can make. You're normally selling at the bottom and it's exactly the same thing as buying at the top. And I've seen this frequently in my career and the buying at the top is almost just as dangerous. And the tech bubble of the late 90s, I can give you quite a few scenarios where these fads come about and there's a lot of hype around it and people buy at the top. So, And that's because they're excited. So I think taking the emotions out of, your investment decision-making is the most important thing that I've certainly learned over the last 25 years. And then lastly, and this is the question most of the people I interview, they start to giggle, and then the answer is normally very, very interesting. What is the best investment you have ever made? And conversely, what has been the worst one you've ever made? (laughs) I was going to try not to giggle there. The best investment, the best investment I've ever made, the best investment I've ever made in a portfolio is over much earlier on in my career. And it was in multi-management where we were looking at asset managers across Europe and, and in the US. And we came across an asset manager in the US that was talking about a mortgage crisis. And it was quite interesting. And we had many meetings with him. And it was the only asset manager of all the hundreds that we'd been talking to over our investment meetings 
that even had any any information or even indicated that there was this crisis. So we thought it was interesting. We brought into the portfolio, um, and I, uh, the rest, as they say, is history because obviously the GFC followed um, the global financial crisis, and that particular asset manager who wasn't very well known and actually didn't have a lot of assets then blew the lights out and then was on everybody's radar. He said his name was John Paulson. But um, it was, that, that was probably the one of those investments where you look back and you think it was all the combination of all the experiences that I'd been accumulating that had made me look and think that, that was an interesting perspective. In the same respects, thinking about that, you know, investments that haven't gone the way that you'd like them to, it's been where you've been influenced by other factors outside of what you would um, call as your process of philosophy. Never deviate from that. Whatever your process is for investing, and if you ever deviate from that, that's normally where you have a an investment that doesn't work out the way you want. And that was where, again, in multi-management, if you deviate from the process and you invest with a an asset manager that's not um, necessarily fully, you haven't gone through the process and, you know, not to tick the boxes, but it gives you the necessary factors that you need. And unfortunately, over my career again, if you deviate, that's the worst thing. I can't say exactly which one. I've had a, a couple much earlier on in my career, but that's definitely a lesson learned. Johnji, thank you so much for your time today and good luck with your investment future. I'm sure you're going to hit a lot more winners than losers. Thank you very much. That was Johnji King. She's the Chief Investment Officer at Alexander Forbes. Show me the money. <laughs> That was the Money Web, be a better investor podcast with Rake for Kneecap. Thanks for listening. Catch up and listen to all the Money Web podcasts on moneyweb.co.za or the app. Money Web, your trusted source for business and investment insights.